I'm going to read a short verse of scripture as we prepare for communion. We're going to have another song directly. So if you want to stay cued for that, Luke 23, 33, without reading the context, just this text. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left. What we're about to do here today in Holy Communion, Eucharist, Lord's Supper, can become a routine. And if it just becomes a routine, then we're going to miss the real essence of it. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And I've made some New Year's resolutions that, that are, you know, I don't have a lot of confidence in me keeping. One, I, I would like to, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you how many pounds, <laughs> but I'd like to lose a few. A few. I want to set a realistic goal. Uh, by this time next year, I, I, I want to lose at least two pounds. <laughs> That's realistic, right? I tell you, it ain't easy. I'm 73 this month, and 73 means that your metabolism, every 10 years, it ratchets back and ratchets back and ratchets back. Do you, do you, have you, you ever looked at the calorie counting thing, how, how many miles you have to run to run off one cheesecake slice for dessert? You know, I mean, it's, I couldn't run that far. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So it's better not to eat the cheesecake, especially if you can't run that far. Her doctor, this little wiry guy, used to run in all those, uh, you know, 10, 8, and 10-mile marathon races. Uh, he don't do that anymore. He's getting uh, getting up there himself. And, and he thought, as long as I keep running, I will never stop running. Well, when you're, you, there's a certain age when your body's going to say, what you talking about? <laughs> After the first mile, uh, everything changes down through that way. So I made a resolution not to make any resolutions. I think I can keep that one. Amen. And not feel guilty. I went by the gym that I used to go to. Uh, I still have a membership. I plan to go back. It's not a resolution. I just like to go back someday, you know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, anyway, I saw uh, it was full of cars. That's not normal. Uh, but people ate what they ate over the holidays, and now they're feeling guilty, and so they're back in the gym trying to work it off. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. And now we're here uh, uh, doing something that that I believe is necessary if we are going to make commitments with the help of God to keep them. Uh, if you want to listen to our, our Bible study, 30 minutes, it's a good devotional. You can take the time to do it. A lot of scripture involved in it, not just reading scripture, but explaining and expounding the scriptures. Uh, our topic this, this week uh, is uh, knowing Christ and making him known. The two greatest goals of a Christian as far as pleasing God and doing the work of the kingdom. To know Christ and to make him known. Praise God. I believe you'll enjoy that. I have I, I got a reset button. 
uh, that I said every year. I don't have to do something different. That's been something I have committed to every time there's a change of the year. I want to know him more intimately, more personally, and I want to make him known. I want to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. I don't mean just pushing somebody up against the wall and not letting them loose until they pray the sinner's prayer. Amen. I'm talking about sharing Christ in a way that, that they will, they, when it says go in the highway and hedge and compel them to come in, doesn't mean to twist their arm or drag them in. It means, you know, the most compelling thing about the gospel is the love of Jesus Christ and the love of God. That's the good news that God so loved the world that he would give his only begotten son. Somebody said, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And when you show the love of God to people, it can make all the difference in the world. And the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting to convict them of their sin, convince them of their need for a Savior. And while convicting them of their sin, revealing Jesus to them. Praise God. So I want this to be uh, my reset button. I don't want to be like Frank and Ernest, who, uh, you know, funny paper guys, Frank and Ernest. One of them, I forget which one, I think it was Frank, could have been Ernest, because they're both doofuses, and, and, but he was pressing his belly button, pressing, 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 pressing. And the other guy looked at him and said, why are you pressing your belly button? He said, belly button? I thought that was the age reset button. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if you could press a button and reset your age to 30? <laughs> and you that are just over 30, we're not even talking to you. Uh, you that are uh, under 40, we're not even talking to you. You that are 50 and above, you're getting getting there. That's you. You are not supposed to tell that. Okay, you don't mind telling. All right, I don't mind telling that I'm 50 either. <laughs> what a laugh we got here today. So I press the reset button in my devotion every, every year. I want to know Jesus more. You say, Brother Bill, you've been preaching. You've been studying the scripture. You've been living for God all these years. What more do you need to know about Jesus? I need to know all there is to know about Jesus. And, and you remember the song, Tell Me More, Tell Me More About Jesus? Amen. We, we need to know more about Jesus. Paul had experiences that any Pentecostal would, would say, I have arrived. There's no place else to go. Amen. Paul said, I knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But such a one that was caught up into third heaven, and I saw things that I can't even utter and explain and tell you. He, he was taken to heaven, saw heaven, come back, and he didn't write a book about it and sell it on the New York times bestsellers list amen he said i can't tell you about all if you want to know about heaven don't 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 just take everybody's personal experience is everybody's personal experience go to the book of revelation john's got the vision he was there he saw it the angel showed him everything we need to know about it amen and there won't be any conflicting stories and there won't be some little kid that been to sunday school and contrived something and then come back when they're old enough to be convicted over lying about it amen and let everybody down we don't need a little child to tell us what heaven is about through his vision and we don't need an adult to do it either we need something concrete and something that isn't subjective 
Amen. We need the word of God. Hallelujah. That's why I encourage you to read the book of Revelation and come for teaching in that book. I pray this is a year that we can get what God wrote the book of Revelation through John for. And that's, it's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's not the revelation of the sensationalizing of the plagues. We need to go there, talk about that. But the book of Revelation is the apocalypse. And, it, and we, when we say that, we think of apocalyptic events of all of these what they call it, they even use the Bible as a reference for them, uh, 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 events that are uh, terrible events that are of biblical proportions, you know, cataclysmic stuff, apocalyptic, but apocalypse is positive. It's a positive thing. When the book starts, it said the apocalypse of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and that word apocalypse, and that word for revelation it's like something is covered. It is completely covered. Covered to the degree that you cannot discern it. You can't see it. It's covered completely. And you can't tell what it is because it's covered. Until the cover is removed. Apocalypse. Amen. And when the cover is removed, then you can see clearly. Paul said, we look through a glass darkly at our best revelation and understanding. But then we're going to see him face to face when he comes. Can you say amen? And all of the stuff that we don't get now, we're going to get then. But until then, there's progressive revelation. And that's why Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. He said, I pray that God would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, there's that wonderful, positive, powerful word that God would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom. And that's the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? See, it's not just so you can say, come tie my bow tie and join the elite spirit-filled people. It's so you can know Christ by revelation and then realization. Amen. So he said, I, I pray that God would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That through that revelation of him, see, that you might know what is the hope of your calling. I don't mean just in your head. I mean in your heart and in your life. And you might know what is the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Can you say amen? And that you might know. Isn't that some revelation gives you knowledge by that revelation? And it's not just your head. Hallelujah. That, and that you might know his power to us word. That's made available to you and me as a child of God. This is not a Pentecostal doctrine out here in some tangent. This is for the church at large. Whether they realize it or accept it, it's made available through the revelation of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God that we might also know what is his power to usward who believe which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand far above all principality and power and dominion. We've been buried with him and we've been raised with him. And the Bible goes on, uh, strap in for this, turbulence ahead. 
Amen. If you've got your religious attitude instead of wanting something real in your life, then this is going to shake you up today. Praise God. We have been seated, raised, buried with him, raised with him. And our identification with Jesus is so absolute. It still blows me away. It challenges my faith to receive what the word of God says belongs to me. Hallelujah. You can't be nonchalant, or can you? Not if you really get it. I'm not just talking about emotion. I'm talking about reaction to something this true, this mighty, this wonderful, and this powerful. I worked for Tampa Electric for five and a half years on a line crew, labor work. And uh, I remember one day we were we were out on a crew and and, uh, you know, if if we had some close calls out there, we didn't really want to report that because of the safety stuff. We're going to go. They'll have to retrain us. Is that what they call it when they when they re put you back through what you're already supposed to know again? Re remediate. Yeah, we didn't want to get remediated. You have to sit in that class and hear what you heard and and know what you should have done and didn't. And one of the things was covering up properly. You're supposed to put the right kind of insulation when you're working around. Well, these two guys have been linemen for years, and they went up there in their buckets, and they're working. And one of the hydraulics on one of the buckets stuck and pushed the bucket against a wire and pushed it against another wire. And the wires they're working with is the most common wires. It's the lowest grade of wire before a transformer puts it into your house. It's 7,620 volts. That's And it has to be stepped down to give you 241.20. I started out on high line, and that was 130,000 volt, the towers. And then, it, and then it steps down to 60,000 volts. I remember going out on a crew one night, 3 o'clock in the morning. It's cold. It's damp. And they had cut the wires down underneath the, the run, smaller wires. But the big wires were still intact up on the higher pole. And I didn't know that there was something called induction, that when you get to 60,000 and above, that you can have a wire laying on the ground, and the 60,000 volt up there is coming through and is energizing that. But I got a real lesson. I was supposed to put on rubber gloves to pick up a wire, roll up a wire that was on the ground, rated to 40,000 volt. I did not put them on. I put on canvas gloves and said... This wire's laying on the ground. It can't shock nobody. That's, I needed remedial remedial stuff to to re-educate me about the dangers. Well, these guys needed it too. They got up there and, and they were working too fast, wanted to get done, go home, taking shortcuts in a hurry. And they cross-phased. Two 7,620 volt were cross-phased. And there is a ball of white fire. And they drop down in their buckets. They were wearing their hard hats, and they drop down in their buckets. They just plop down to get out of the boom and the noise. And we're looking and wondering if they're hurt. I made a safety, uh, actually, of all people, I made a safety film for Tampa Electric. 
of where I brought a man down that's supposed to be unconscious. He wasn't, of course, but I brought him down manually to the ground, set the bucket down, grabbed him by the back of the back of the shirt, and that's back when I was that was back when I was a I was I, I was strong. I you should have seen I wish they had the film to show it today. I grabbed him dead weight, just dead weight, and I yanked him out of that thing and laid him on the ground, and I feigned, feigned artificial respiration for him, you know, and and the the heart massage to get him back to life. Anyway, made that film. I'm waiting. I am actually wondering, am I going to have to bring somebody down and do that for real? But then I saw these two heads slowly come up out of the bucket. You know, singed hair has a smell. It's distinct. And and they had hair sticking out the back of their, under their hat. It was back in the day when, you know, longer hair was in. And uh, it was singed. And their eyebrows were singed almost off. I could see to avoid remedial stuff. These guys going home and saying, honey, have you got any eyebrow pencil?" <laughs> <laughs> I, they're they're going to know something happened if I go in without eyebrows. It, it, it singed their eyebrows. It singed the hair that was sticking out under their hard hat, but it didn't hurt them. They just got the blast of it. And, and I'll never forget, it was quiet. You could hear a pin drop. We're all just standing there aghast. And, and the one guy up there looked over at the other one, and he said, just act nonchalant. You would have to be a good actor to act nonchalant in the presence of such power. Amen. A friend of mine, God said, I want you to know the power. Paul said, I want you to know under God's inspiration, the Holy Spirit's inspiration, the power to usward who believe, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. I want you to know that that power that, res- that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you as a believer. And it's, this is not a Pentecostal doctrine. This is the word of God to every child of God. This is for the Baptists and the Methodists and the Episcopalians before I got my toothpick fixed. Amen. And the average Pentecostal is satisfied with just being able to talk in other tongues and maybe shout a little bit. This is power for service. You receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. No less power than that that raised Jesus from the dead. It should get us out of bed on Sunday morning. It should cause some level and degree of enthusiasm. This kind of power. Amen. If we just talk in tongues to fit in the spiritual elite and claim to be spirit-filled, what, what spirit are we filled with? We're, we're, we're filled with the same spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead. You know what the church is with availability of that kind of power? We're a sleeping giant. The church is the sleeping giant. We have access to all of this power, but we don't see a demonstration of it. Paul said, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. 
And when I declared the gospel unto you, I did it with that kind of humility, that kind of dependence upon the Lord. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. That's how I came to preach the gospel. But when he proclaimed the gospel, he said, I didn't do it with the enticing words of man's wisdom. I did not do it with the enticing words of man's wisdom, even though it might be correct. That is not how I brought the gospel to you. But in a demonstration, everybody say a demonstration, a demonstration of spirit and power. That your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Can you say amen? I don't know about you, but when I face my struggles and my giants, I need the power of God. When hell turns loose on me, I need something more than the practice of my religion. I need all the benefits and blessings of the cross to be realized in my life through the Holy Spirit. This gospel never came in word only. Paul said it, it never came in word only. No matter how true the word was, how accurate the word was, it did not come without the power of God. Hallelujah. This gospel didn't come in word only, but in power. And in the Holy Ghost. And therefore in much assurance. Can you say man? So where's the demonstration? Where's the demonstration? We've got the most highly qualified preachers even in the charismatic Pentecostal movement. They, they have an education. Wonderful. It's a good education. It's wonderful to study the Bible and to have the correct theology. But it didn't come with that alone. We've got the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Available to us. Wow. And here we are nonchalant. Acting nonchalant. We need a revelation. And secondly, we need an application. And then we need a realization. Can you say amen? You shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost comes upon you. To be a witness for me? No. To be a witness unto me. There is a difference in witnessing for him and being a witness to him. Can you say man? We have, we need to live a life that is representative of more than just a good moral person. God wants that. God commends that. But He has given us the Holy Spirit that we might be witnesses unto Him wherever we go. Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Amen. There are whole institutions of of the Christian faith that do not believe we there's anything more after the day you get saved and Jesus said don't you go anywhere and try to do anything even with how urgent it is that we get the job done you tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with what Power from where? On high. And on the day of Pentecost, while they sought God and waited on God, there came a sound where? From on high. There came a sound from heaven. And what did it sound like? Mighty rushing wind. 
Somebody said when a tornado comes, it sounds like a freight train right there in your house, right in your backyard or your front yard. There came a sound like that from heaven, like a mighty rushing wind. And a few spiritually elite, highly devoted, ardent lovers of Jesus got filled. No, they all they all, this is not God's will for a few people seeking to be special ministers somehow. He said, I want every child of mine to be a representative of more than just a dead religious system. Jesus has been raised from the dead and the power that raised him has come to live within my people. <laughs> Whoopee. That's a given. We've known it for years. Well, it's time we did more than know it in our head. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. My wife uh, met a pastor's wife years ago. If I'm saying it accurately, she can correct me. If she's up to it. And this pastor's wife, she said, I'm, 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 uh, I'm uh, Pastor Robert Venable's wife. And, and, I, and she said, oh, yeah, I've heard of him. He's a power preacher. He's a power preacher. He's a power preacher. At Jim Gates' funeral, who used to be work with our youth and work with the sheriff's department with, uh, you know, the youth of the sheriff's department. He would go and minister to them, sometimes take some of our youth to be a testimony. Amen. Sherry remembers that. Sean remembers that. At his funeral, his two sons are, are now really serving God, filled with the Holy Spirit. And his son stood up as part of the eulogy, and he, uh, he said, you know, he said, the first time I encountered the power of God was in Brother Venable's church. He said, Brother Venable was preaching, and I was just a teenager, but Brother Venable was preaching and said he made an, an emphasis to a point, and he stomped his foot when he said it. And he said it was like a shockwave went over that whole audience of the power of God. Hallelujah. And he said, you know, I didn't get saved right away, but I never forgot that there is more than just a religious presentation. There is power. God can be sensed and God can be known. And when you get in the presence of God, you know you're in the presence of power. Can you say amen? He said, I went my own way for a while, but I never forgot experiencing the presence of God. I did not just embrace the Christian faith. I met Jesus and it was a powerful thing what I did. It was a life-changing thing when I did. And I thought, preach on. Hallelujah. Do we need it back? Do we need people that want more than just a religious routine on Sunday morning that expect more when we come here? And Jesus says, where two or more of you are gathered in my name, there am I. Can we possibly be nonchalant? Should we be nonchalant? Should we be nonchalant? I would ask many Pentecostals, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Got filled. We can tell them the date and the time and when and where. Are you, are you actually 
activating the power of God in your life through faith? Is it giving you something like the drug-addicted young lady that got set free under Dave Wilkerson's ministry and, and uh, uh, Teen Challenge? Took the power of God to set her free. And she stood up and gave a testimony. And she said, I got an unction for my gumption so I can function. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. She had received the power of God. When they offered Dave Wilkerson a million dollar grant from the United States government. Because 80% recidivity rate. 80% of the people they put on methadone and put through psychological programs to get off of drugs returned to drugs. Dave Wilkerson, only 20% went back and 80% stayed free from drugs. So they invited Dave Wilkerson, Pentecostal preacher, formerly with the Assemblies of God, and they, they, they brought him to Washington, D.C., offered him a million-dollar grant with a caveat, with one stipulation. You can't designate Jesus because of church and state. Any kind of program you want, you can even use God generically, but you can't designate Jesus. He put out a book called The Jesus Factor. I really appreciated that book because he turned down a million-dollar grant. And he told them, he said, if you take Jesus out of it, it don't work. It's Jesus that is changing their life. It's the Holy Spirit that is helping them stay set free. Can you say, man, see, the gospel did not come in word only. But it came in power. And when those people that were so addicted got set free, there was a demonstration of spirit and power. When Dave started his ministry in New York City, he went to sleep in his car the first night. The police thought he was dead. They, 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 they woke him up and said, you can't stay down here. They'll kill you. They'll rob you. They'll hijack you. They'll carjack you. And, and the first time he ministered out in the streets of New York City, Times Square, wherever he was, there's a big church that he started in Times Square, and that's a, that's a naughty, nasty area of all kinds of stuff and crazy people. And that's where they built that big church that's thriving today. He's, Dave is with the Lord. But, but David said to his, the gang members would come and heckle him. And one of them came up after one of the nights of ministry. His name was Nicky Cruz. Put a switchblade. Actually, he said they made, they made like shanks in prison, they would call it. They made a, a, a knife they could stab you with, tear the radio arrow off of the old cars that had the old type of radio arrows and make a knife out of it. He said it held it on him. He said, I could cut you into a thousand pieces. And David said back to him with the anointing on him and the power of God upon him, you do and every piece will cry, I love you. He never seen nobody that didn't cower before them because of the power to usward who believe. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It impressed him that that guy didn't cower before him and was right back preaching again. And he listened to the word of God in power. When it came in power, it affected him. He said, I was, he said to David, the night that he came to Christ, he said, 
preach, you're coming through. You're coming through. It wasn't the words. It was the power behind those words. And within the person delivering those words, hey, preach, you're coming through. I want to hear more about Jesus. It came with power. It came with power. If you came here this morning to get sentimental, forget about it. This is a communion service, but this is not about getting sentimental. This is about understanding what Jesus did on the cross has brought us into a place with God. And God said, I want you to know, amen, by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that you might know what is the hope of your calling, that you might know what is the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and that you might know, 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 amen, the power to usward who believe which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand far above all, all principality and power and put everything under his feet. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Nikki Cruz got saved. And the reason it took power is because he was raised by a professing witch. His daddy was a warlock, which is a male witch. He was raised in the occult. He joined a gang. He was filled with hate and anger under spiritual control of demons. And all of that broke when the gospel came in power. Every one of those chains broke when the gospel came in power. Because it never came in word only, but in power. And that's why missionaries are more prone to recognize the need for power Because they see demon demonstrations. They see people setting out to hurt them and harm them. They believe in angelic deliverances. They believe in the power of God. Because without it, you can't go down into those places and successfully bring the gospel to them. And we can't even do it in America successfully. Listen, the Bible said the last days people would just want to listen to teachers that tell them what they want to hear. We're not pursuing power. We're not pursuing the person of Christ. Amen. We're just pursuing the material and the physical. And God says, I want you to know. I want you to know what's available and I want you to utilize what's available. When T.L. Lowry went down to Africa to preach, people were afraid to come to the meeting. Because there was a lady that was into the occult and everybody feared her, feared she would put a curse on them. So he decided up front to confront her. And he said he went to where her hut or whatever she had was. He called her out and they called her mama something or another. He called her out and said, mama. She, he said, my master defeated your master 2,000 years ago at the cross. And he looked her in the eye. She wasn't used to that. Satan uses fear. God uses faith. My master defeated your master 2,000 years ago at the cross. And mama, I want you to know something. As long as I'm here, I'm boss. I'm boss. Her son got saved in one of those meetings. Hallelujah. Gave his heart to the Lord. Renounced and rejected 
the occult, got set free, came to America to preach with that power and that enthusiasm. See, this gospel didn't come in word only. It came in power. Paul said that your that my preaching and my teaching was not with the enticing, even though it was accurate, it was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom. The target isn't just the head, it's the heart. And it's breaking through the darkness to get to that heart. So he came to America and he said, sweet, sincere Christians would come up after the service and they would say to him, since you were so deeply involved in the occult in Africa, I know the devil hated to let you go. And don't you have battles all the time with demons and devils trying to pull you back in. He said, no, not at all. Nothing like that. They said, well, how can you come from your background and, and, and not have trouble with nightmares and dreams and, and, and manifestations of the enemy? Are you ready for some real deep theology? Are you ready for that answer? He said, flies don't land on a hot stove. You didn't hear me, did you? Flies don't land on a hot stove. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of me by the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to cower before the devil. I'm going to give place and ground to the devil. I'm going to, I'm going to be bothered and beleaguered by the enemy. C.H. Spurgeon knew it. He might not have explained the Holy Spirit very deeply, but he knew. Moody knew. It was said that Spurgeon was in his, in his study. He had studied the Word. He just went to bed. He had written down notes. And he said suddenly he was awakened and there was an apparition, some evil manifestation of something standing there at the foot of his bed. He reached over at his desk and threw an inkwell at it and said, get thou out of here. Went back to sleep like a babe. You've got to know what you have. And you've got to know who you are in Christ. And you got to know who Christ is in you. When I preached in Haiti, right in the middle of the Sunday morning service, several hundred people out for that Bible study, several thousand came to the evening meetings. We're right in the middle of the heart of the occult, witchcraft and and. All of the all of the deep dark. We we just came from a place called Babylon. They called it Babylon. It was so wicked and evil. There was a community called Babylon. Places in Tampa the same way. In every large city. But the enemy wasn't undercover in Haiti. He was out front, and up front. And there was a voodoo graveyard, just about a half a mile from where we were preaching. And that's where they buried people with all the voodoo junk. 
And I was preaching through an interpreter, Francois Fenelon, named after a Christian martyr. And he was preaching with me. And suddenly everybody stopped listening and turned their head because there was drums beating incessantly. And there were people carrying what looked kind of like mini totem pole things. And I asked him, I said, Francis, what do we do? He said, they'll be gone in just a minute. I said, well, what are they doing? He said, they heard y'all were coming to bring the gospel. And they are going to that cemetery to put up spiritual barriers against you. And I thought, oh, is that right? <laughs> they are so concerned about the gospel and the power of God. Amen. That they understand they have to try to. They couldn't. They, they didn't come aggressively and try to mess up the service. They messed it up just by walking by because people were afraid of them. Because they had power. When in reality, they were afraid of us. Because they, anybody who knows the power of darkness, knows there's power in God. You can't have an impotent God. You can't have a devil and not have, that's got power, and have a God who doesn't. Only in America. Only in America. That the devil's got power. Everybody knows it. Don't mess with that stuff. There's power in that. But go to, go to church on Sunday. What a presentation. Where's the demonstration? Guy that played with a rock band for years and years and years. He played the background music for the Righteous Brothers, not Christian, just the, the Righteous Brothers. Blue-eyed soul. He got saved while they were touring. He went to church for the first time in his life when they got in a town where there was a Christian church. He went to church, sat down. He'd been reading his Bible. He sat down and they began to sing the songs of God. And he's sitting there. He's never been in church in his life. He wasn't raised with any kind of particular religious you know, but he got saved. Somebody shared Christ with him on the road, and he gave his heart to Jesus. They gave him Bible. He started reading it. He had an expectation when he got to church because he'd been reading the Bible. He looked over at that lady, and he said, "When do his name was John Wimber. And he said, when do we do the stuff? She said, what stuff? <laughs> he says, you know. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. She said, we don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> we just sing about it. <laughs> we just sing about it. And he was so disappointed. You know what happened when the power gospel came in power in South Vietnam? The church in South Vietnam... Doctor, I heard this on Moody Radio, a non-Pentecostal radio station. But very evangelistic, evangelical. Sent many missionaries, many died on the mission field for, out of Moody Bible Institute. 
Chicago, Illinois. They were interviewing Dr. Wong from Africa, Asian Inland Missions and Africa Inland Missions. He was the director of World Missions. And they were interviewing about the revival that was occurring in South Vietnam. This was about five years ago. And they said, Dr. Wong, what, what is God doing there? He said, well, number one, there's no mega churches. He said, this is 50 here, 40 there, 100 here. They're meeting in homes, but there's always someone who is leading the service. They are not organized and not affiliated with any organization. And he said something else. He said, he said, but when they gather together, he said, there's no miracle recorded in the book of Acts that isn't occurring when they come together. See, they're not coming together in the name of this organization, that organization, this denomination. They're coming together in the name of Jesus Christ. They haven't been organized enough to have denominational doctrines that don't allow for God to move. Can you say amen? And where two or more gathered in his name, what happens? What happens? Where is he? Let's locate him again this morning. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Is he, is he up there somewhere? Up there somewhere. No. Is he standing in the shadows? No. Where is he? There am I in the midst of them. How close is he in proximity to you and me? Amen. He's come to abide within you. He's here because we're here. He's here because I'm here. He didn't come here when he counted more than three of us in the building. He came here when a couple of us entered because we brought him. Wow. The miracles that occurred in the book of Acts are occurring in South Vietnam. God confirming the word. Did he not say he would? It's going to take power to do that. Why the nonchalant Christian community? Did I not read this from the Bible? Is this power not available? Why are we so personality conscious? What draws most people is, is that preacher who's got this mansion and driving this car and flying in those two or three or four or five jet planes. The material is drawing us. But they were waiting in Jerusalem not for Lamborghinis and mansions. Not for Rolexes and jewels. They were waiting in Jerusalem for something that God wanted them to have to effectively get the gospel beyond the barriers of all the forces of hell. And listen, the God of this world, little g, but has influence in this world. Amen. The God of this world has what? Blinded the minds of men. It's going to, it, this is a powerful thing that has occurred. Amen. Lest they would see and believe. <laughs> Amen. That, that, lest they would believe the gospel. They're blinded. Blinded. And the word for blinded is not just, it's a spiritual thing. It's the word tofluo in the Greek. And it means literally to absolutely cause the mind to be affected. The blindness is in the mind. means to puff up with pride, to fluo, to puff up with pride, to puff up with pride. 
Someone hears the gospel and they're coming under Holy Ghost conviction, but they're too proud to admit they need Jesus, too proud to bow to his lordship. There's a stubbornness and a stiff-neckedness in that. He that being often reproved and stiffeneth his neck shall be cut off, and that without remedy. This gets serious. This rebel heart and rebel attitude toward God Almighty. And yet we see it across this nation. Something is going to have to break that blindness. And that's why Billy Graham, with his reputation, he would not come and preach in no city, nowhere, unless ministry leaders and churches would begin to pray for a year before he came. Because he knew if we don't get these spiritual forces broken, even though I'm bringing the gospel, bringing a choir to sing beautifully, George Beverly Shea is going to sing beautifully. They're not going to see what they need to see to get saved. For the God of this world is powerful to blind the minds of men. But the God that we serve is powerful to illuminate those blinded eyes. Hallelujah. Open his eyes and let him see. Praise God. Jesus heals the spiritually blind. He was anointed to open. Listen, don't think of Bartimaeus. Come on, we got to go beyond the physical. Don't think of blind Bartimaeus that can't see. When it said he was anointed, he opened up the book. He began to read the Spirit. He, he, the, this is all about power, isn't it? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he hath anointed me. To set the captive free. To preach deliverance to the captives. There's something in this that has the power to break the chains. To penetrate the darkness. The guy that fell outside this door. I went home. I began to ponder that. They took him to the hospital. Didn't find a thing wrong with him. Now I'm not saying I've got a revelation on this. But I've got a, I've got a real sense that he got close to something. I, I agree. I agree. I got a license to carry. It's those kind of days. But I'm going to tell you something. And churches are beefing up their security. But our greatest security is in the power of God, the person of Jesus. Can you say man? And I want to agree with somebody that's got that kind of understanding. And that's Brother Cristela. He said, somebody come through that door. Amen. He didn't just say, pastor's packing and pastor will kill him. No. You know what? He said, he said, <laughs> he, <laughs> if we only knew how many people are packing, <laughs> everybody says, what, what, say what? Anyway, listen, we, I'll do everything I can to protect my family and protect you guys. But there's places I can't go and things I can't do, but there's nothing God can't do. And Nick said it one Sunday morning. He probably remembers. He said, come by to come through that door. He said, the power of God will knock him right back out. It. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, listen, listen. We need the power of God. They, 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 Brother Hagee started his ministry. Seen him on TV? 
Brother Hagee, amen. He, he, he started his ministry because he went to pray for a lady. And, and when he went to pray for her, the devil began to talk through her. And he had to cast the devil out, amen, or else leave and tuck his tail between his legs and run off. But it's a demonstration of power that started that mega church. It, it was power. Everybody say it was power. It was power. It started with a man finding out that he had access to the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And he dared the authority to use his name against the enemy. And there was power in it. You, maybe you didn't know that. He's not just a graduate of a Bible college. He is, went through a school of the spirit where he was pressed to a situation where he in, encountered Satan's power and countered Satan's power with the power of God. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory in this room before I do all the shouting. Praise God. Wow. So a guy come in his church wild-eyed wanting to kill him. And they didn't have a lot of security at that time. He come in, walked halfway down the aisle, and pulled his pistol out and shot five times at Brother Hagee. And I don't know all the detail, but I know that he was holding his Bible up. He was just holding his Bible up. And missed him. Five times. And missed him. We're in a war. We are told to put on spiritual armament because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. It's powerful. The word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What is the Word of God? It's quick and powerful. Can you say, man, hallelujah, and sharper than any two-edged sword? So here we are today in a service where we're supposed to go get some sentimental feelings about Jesus and walk out of here just like we walked in and continue to be nonchalant and satisfied with the show. There are churches that will entertain you and they will do it in a timely fashion. They will keep you awake through the service. You will actually stay awake through the entire high-impact hour. You won't even have to drink Starbucks to stay awake. Some mega churches have a Starbucks on their property so people don't have to drive out from the church to get their coffee. And that's okay. That's fine. Amen. But if you're depending on coffee to keep you awake in church, you have a problem. You have an issue. The preacher comes out and pair of tight pants and hoochie pants. Devil's laughing his head off because he knows he's entertaining the crowd. Only thing he fears is the authority of the name of Jesus and the power that raised him from the dead. So when Francis Fenelon told me 
they're they're going to set up barriers against the gospel. It it encouraged me. I thought, Lord, the devil is on the defensive. So since he's on the defensive, we're going to take the offensive. And the Spirit of God came down on me that Sunday morning, right in the middle of all the voodoo and hoodoo and all the mess. And I began to preach without notes <laughs> under the anointing. And I got into that message under the power. See, God's power is, is standing up against the power of the enemy. And all those people saw it. They didn't see us. Let's close the meeting down. We've lost the audience. No, let's, let's really pour it on now. Let's double down on the gospel. Amen. I remember preaching an outline I'd never made before. Three things that God is going to do in spite of all the things the devil is going to try to do against it. God is going. God is going to build his church. Can you say, man, in spite of the opposition and all the powers of darkness, amen, upon this rock, I, I, this is supernatural, I, I, this is not furthering a denomination or an organization. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall, oh, when I got to that part, I lost my interpreter. I am not good at stopping to wait for somebody to interpret. Can you say man? And I was, I was, I was preaching and I looked at Francis and he was preaching right beside me <laughs> and I left him. I had no idea. He was interpreting English to French Creole. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Praise God. I will right in the midst of the demonstration of the devil's power. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. God is going to build his church and he's going to empower it. And I will come again, just like I promised. Glory to God. When we got done, the devil had his tail tucked between his legs. He was on the run, and Jesus was lifted up and magnified and glorified. Hallelujah. But it came in power. And I asked Francis, who was also spirit-filled, my interpreter. I said, Francis, how did, how, I'm sorry. I, I'm not used to preaching with an interpreter. I said, Francis, I'm sorry that I ran off and left you and didn't pause to let you interpret. And Francois Fenelon said, oh, that's all right, Pastor. That's okay. I knew what you were going to say before you said it because I have the Holy Spirit too. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I would call that a demonstration of spirit and a demonstration of power and the next day after they saw that we had doubled the amount of people come out because they didn't just see that they didn't just hear that they saw and i'm going to get me uh, so you all don't have to keep praying and worrying about me i'm going to get me one of those mics that is free from the cord i'm going to cut the cord <laughs> Hallelujah. 
you ain't seen nothing till I cut the cord. This is holding me back. You might want to sit on the back row. Little boy sitting with his mama, sitting his mama on the front row. Preacher got highly anointed. He'd come out red in the face, veins standing out on his head, sweating like a pig and, and through his clothes, preaching under the anointing. And he would get just about to them and, the, and he'd run out of cord. And he'd get just about to them and run out of cord. And he looked up at his mama and said, Mama, if he gets loose, will he hurt us? <laughs> It can get scary, can you say, man? It can really get scary sometimes. <laughs> I even scare myself. Anyway, God is good today. Hallelujah. And I'm glad right down in the devil's playground, we saw God show up and we saw God show out. And we saw a woman that had been been taken to the voodoo priest uh, to to be healed of something and become demonized herself. And we we saw she spoke. She cursed us in English and she had never learned English. And it wasn't her. It was what was in her. And we saw the power of God. She fell out in the spirit, hit the ground like somebody knocked her in the head with a hammer. Amen. She didn't get upset free, and I questioned God about that. Got back home here to the States, and the missionary that we went with says, You know that woman y'all prayed for, you and Brother Spain, that the power of God showed up? Said she didn't get set free that night. But said after y'all left, the map pastor that is going to be her pastor and their pastor a national not someone from the states but someone right there in haiti prayed for her and god set her free god wanted the pastor that's going to be there for them to be the man that they saw operate in the power and the anointing the authority of jesus name and said she's going to church every sunday and serving god Hallelujah. Well, God does things the way he wants it done. But immediately when we prayed, there was no resistance to the power because greater is he. Hallelujah. Greater is he. Make no mistake about it. And it gives you a boldness. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. That's all the phobias that's choking this world to death. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Can you say man? In the jungle, the mighty jungle. You know why the lion be sleeping? Huh? Because ain't nobody going to mess with him. <laughs> He's the king of the beast. God is so good today. Hallelujah. How many want to see a year in this holy communion? As we celebrate the cross that we understand that something not only very precious happened on it, but something so very powerful occurred. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today. Jesus, I magnify you and glorify you for it's through your name. And it's through your sacrifice on the cross that this power has been made available to us. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that our sins are forgiven, that we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and the accuser cannot in God's court accuse us anymore. He's cast down. He's cast out of the courtroom itself. 
Hallelujah. And we stand forgiven in your presence because of the cross. Jesus, the night that you were betrayed, you lifted up the bread, tore it in half and said, this is my body broken for you. And you established this ceremony, this memorial service. So often as you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. You picked up the cup and held it high and said, this is the new covenant in my blood shed for the sins of many. As often as you drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till he come. Thank God you are pouring out your spirit and you are building your church. And Lord Jesus, you are coming again. And that very soon. Help us to live like it. And in the light of it, stir us once again and strengthen us like Samson's prayer. Lord, strengthen us. Visit us one more time before you come that your name may be glorified by the power of God that is demonstrated through your church and your people. Can you say amen today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord.